This episode could be triggering for sensitive listeners and contains mature content. It may not be suitable to all listeners. Should you need any emotional assistance, please see the show notes for telephone numbers that you can call. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the official policy or position of the podcast. Any content provided by contributors such as the host, guests, bloggers, sponsors or authors are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, group, club, organization, company, individual or anyone or anything. Erica Bornman is a writer and editor in the magazine publishing industry. She is also a whistleblower and an author. Her book is called Mission of Malice, My Exodus from Kwasi Sabantu. It was one of the books I used as a research reference when I looked into the KSB mission. Her biggest drive is to make the world a better place, especially for children. This is Decoding Cults, and I'm your host, Palsy. You are listening to KSB, the interview with Erica Borman. In this episode, I have the distinct pleasure in talking to Erica. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed speaking with this amazing human being. Hello, Erica, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so happy to be here too, Pauline. Thank you so much. I've been loving listening to your podcast and the like deep dive that you do into the practices and the culture and all that. It's been fascinating. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you for sharing your story with the world. Um, you did write the book, Mission of Malice, My Exodus from Kwasi Sabantu, which I have read, loved, laughed, cried, got angry, almost thrown across the room a couple of times. Um, so <laughs> I just want to um, just start off with where, you come, where did you come from? Where did the Mission of Malice start with you? or the crisis, your crisis, a bunch of journey start, and then we'll take it from there. Cool. Yeah, so um, my, I'm the youngest of three uh, siblings. I have an older sister, and then the brother in the middle, and then me, the little, the one right at the end. Um, my mom and dad, my dad was a teacher, and so we were all born in Malawi because he was teaching there um, and then we moved back to South Africa and yeah I was around eight years old when my parents got involved with Kwasi Sabantu. Um, my mother listened to one of them preach at Khodini Spa, we were living in Worcester at the time and then shortly after that we moved to Natal as it was known then, this was apartheid days so um, it's now KwaZulu-Natal to escort. And then, yeah, then things kind of really went pear-shaped because 
you know, we'd been going to the Dutch Reformed Church, um, but then my parents left us there in their tender care while they went to learn French in France. And um, it, those were very, very dark days, terrible days. Quasi um, Sabanti, they, they give off this air of being a very loving, caring community, but they frown upon affection. So, you know, like suddenly to come from a very affectionate home and to suddenly be thrust into this community where nobody really expresses affection verbally or physically, um, that was really tough. Um, at the age of 10, I started wetting my bed again, you know, and, and that's kind of a real sign of, of a, a deeply disturbed child, uh, you know, yeah, you start with the bed at the age of 10. Yeah, um, and distress and, and panic and anxiety. And fear, yeah, we lived yeah. in fear. They controlled us through fear. Mm. Um, the, the in, incredibly awful movies that we were forced to watch, um, the, 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 the talk daily of us going to hell if, if we have even one unconfessed sin. Um, I mean, in one of your previous episodes, you, you spoke quite a bit, a bit about the confession of sin. And so um, hopefully listeners have a good understanding now of, of what that is, because mm. it's not the way that the Catholics do it. And it's not the way that anybody else necessarily does it. Um, it's certainly not the way the Bible kind of tells you to, to do it either. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, you lived in fear. I mean, you were always told that God can come get you at any time. And if there's even one unconfessed sin, you're going straight to hell. So and you live in mortal fear and not only of eternal damnation, but they, they physically really, really, beat the children in their care and so I lived in mortal fear of being beaten and um, I was around 10 years old when I witnessed my friend who um, had been seen stealing some sweets some Wilson toffees and um, they made as though they were going to cut off her hand um, because the bible that's what the bible calls for and I sat there and I didn't doubt that they a would do it and b had the right to do it because you know they are god's on envoys on earth um, mm. and and that that kind of terror is very difficult you know when the people who are supposed to be caring for you are the people who are abusing you um mm. a child's boundaries get obliterated basically um yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that that was that was really tough. Um, I I do write about it in my book. Mm. Um, uh, and and then, yeah, I, then I was there all through my teenage my teenage years. We moved to Johannesburg for for three years, and then we moved back. My dad mm. died when I was fifteen. Um, and I eventually managed to get away at the age of twenty one. Um, even though I was legally an adult, um, I didn't know that <laughs> because at Kwasisabantu, if you're a daughter, you remain under your parents' thumb and control until the day you get married. And then that control 
um, is passed over onto your husband. So for me at the age of 21 to go visit my aunt in Peter Maritzburg meant that I needed my mother's permission to um, get a lift to Peter Maritzburg because I, I, we didn't have a car and, and I didn't know how to drive. Um, and so I told her that I was visiting my aunt for the weekend only. And then when I got to my aunt, I, I told her I can't go back. And she said, my child, you don't have to, and you can stay with me. And so she gave me a home. So I'm very fortunate that I had family that I could run to. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> um, when you got out, your opening part of the book, um, I don't want to give too much of the book away because I really, really, really want people to buy it because mm. I loved reading it. And obviously I've read it like about 10 times <laughs> in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. But um, in your prologue, you you talk about the, can I just read like that very first bit? Would you, will you, will you, will, will, do you have your book with you? Yes, I have my cat on my lap. So if I reach down to to, oh, um, to okay. my book, let's, let's let's hope she doesn't run away. Don't worry, Matilda. It's all good, my baby. <laughs> there she goes. It's okay. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> oh, Matilda. We um we had a thunderstorm in in Cape Town earlier today, which is very unusual. And she, um, being a Cape Town cat, isn't used to thunder. So she's been she's been very out of sorts all day from the thunder sure. so yeah. the prologue which yeah. which part of the prologue do you want me to read um i would like you to well actually like the first <laughs> page if okay. that's if that if you don't mind because that was to me like wow. even opening with that was it was quite powerful but it it kind of sets the tone for your journey which which was mm -hmm. incredible so i would mm. if you don't mind yeah, of course. So, yeah. so here goes. I'm clutching a large butcher's knife when my carefully constructed world caves in. Moments ago, the apartment was filled with the chatter and laughter of a group of friends gathered for a potluck lunch. Now the kitchen has fallen silent. The afternoon starts out happily enough. I accompany my boyfriend Samuel and his sister to their friend's home. Around 15 people mill around. The atmosphere is convivial. Most have gathered in the kitchen to get the meal going. I trail in behind Samuel, hoping to be invisible. I only know two people here and I don't want to get in the way. Then our host turns to me with a big smile and a bigger knife and cheerily asks, Hey, Erica, won't you make a fruit salad? My stomach drops as I take the knife and turn to the counter. Deep breath. I can do this. Then I spot a pawpaw and freeze. Oh, no. No one has ever taught me how to peel or cut up a pawpaw. I'm going to mess it up and show everyone here that I don't belong in their world because they're going to see me cutting the pawpaw the wrong way and they're going to know that I don't know what I'm doing and that I don't belong. I've been fooling myself. I shouldn't be here. I'm a misfit. I'm a woman who doesn't know how to make a simple fruit salad. In this moment, I see my whole life mapped out in front of me. I will never fit in. This society I long to be a part of will never be mine. I will constantly find myself in situations where, through my ignorance, I will reveal that I'm not one of them. Tears well up in my eyes and I cannot stop them streaming down my face. Everything okay, Erica? No, everything's not okay. Everything's bloody terrible. I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to admit to that. 
My rational mind tells me that any normal 25-year-old would start chopping without a second's thought, but I know that I'm not a normal 25-year-old, and now everyone else knows it too. Yeah, I mean, I can carry on. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, yeah, it's just like, it's amazing from there to here, how much you've done, how much you've learned, how much you've had to learn, and then how how incredible this other side, well, to me, I think your whole journey was incredible, but like just from that young lady in the kitchen to the end of your book, where you are now this fierce, fierce warrior and this fierce, fierce activist. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, and it's, that's that's 25 years ago that I stood in that kitchen clutching a large butcher's knife, um, looking at a malevolent pawpaw. <laughs> I, now, um, I now obviously know that it doesn't matter how you chop up a pawpaw, as long as you get rid of the pips and the, and the, and the skin, and then it doesn't matter. And what matters is that you eat it and that it tastes great, you know. Yeah. But I had, um, I was completely divorced from my own body, from my inner voice, from my intuition, from my, I had no self-confidence because what they taught me was that unless someone has actually shown me how to do something right I am bad and sinful and I will do it wrong. And it translates into stupid stuff like cutting up a a pawpaw, but it also translates into big stuff. Like how do you make decisions? How do you, how do you navigate this world? Because you've been taught this world is evil. You've not had TV, radio, magazines, nothing. You don't even know. I was 23 years old and I didn't even know Freddie Mercury or who Queen was or Bob Dylan or God, even Neil Diamond. You know, I had I, I no, I, I, I didn't know the, the TV series Dallas that everybody had seen. I didn't, you know, all those. Yeah. So, so yes. And, and it's amazing how many ex Kwasisabantu members um, have contacted me and, and told me about their fruit salad moment. And obviously it's not really fruit always, you know, it's very yeah. seldom it's actually fruit, but that moment where they, they just knew that they didn't know how to do this. They were going to mess it up and they were never going to belong. Yeah. yeah. And you, you all these members that you've been speaking to, like, I, I know that like over the years, especially over the last couple of years, a lot more people have reached out. A lot more people have spoken. Are you guys kind of now regrowing your friendships into actual Absolutely. friendships and not KSB, like I'm going to split on you and, and those kind of like real genuine friendships with a, a shared history, yeah. a shared understanding of each other. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's my friend that I call Jesse in the book, the friend that I call Tandy in the book, and Belen Pilo. Um, she's more like a sister than just a friend. And then, but then, and 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 Monica and Anna Marie, and 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 then um, people that I never even knew um, at Kwasisabantu. Some people who were born after I left Kwasisabantu. So they are like half my age and we've connected and, and are supporting one another. And it's actually quite, quite special and beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. But also quite heart-wrenching, you know, to realize just how many people they have broken down. You know, we, we're all rebuilding our lives and, and, and we're all on different stages of that, that rebuilding. But how awful that so many of us have to rebuild, you know. Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like everyone had a jump start at what we'll call mainstream life on oh, people sure. at KSB. Oh. Yeah. My one cousin, um, she's about, oh, I don't know, she's about 12, uh, no, about 15 years younger than me, I think. Mm, yeah, about 15 years younger than me. And she always laughs because she thinks of us as the same age, that we kind of went through adolescence and and early adulthood together even though I was I'm 15 years her senior you know <laughs> we kind of had our first kisses at the same time you know same year not the same age yeah <laughs> things like that so yeah awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad you can laugh about things like that now that's that's pretty spectacular um what's mm. been the one thing that's kind of those those days where I'm sure you get those days where it's just you're just like leave me alone world I just want to sit in my hole in my dark cupboard and just curl in a ball and and feel my feelings like what is it that gets you through that like obviously you need to do that feel my feelings but but what is that thing that that helps you feel it and then move on or or helps you like with your day-to-day it's this incredible sense of responsibility I feel toward the children that are still there, that are growing up there. Um, look, I didn't, I mean, I'm really glad that I wrote my book because it ended up being very cathartic. Um, but while I was writing it, it was torture and, and, and I wanted to stop many times. It was horrible. I didn't, I mean, there were parts of the book that I enjoyed writing. I mean, like, my first blowjob I mean that's really funny but um (laughs) um, (laughs) but um but a lot of it was really hard and what gets me through it is that I have a very real sense of if not me then who and that I can't give up now um because they have not rescinded their belief that you have to break the spirit of a child by the age of three. Now think about what that implies. You have to break the spirit of a child by the age of three. Why do you break the spirit of a child? Because the child is evil and bad and born in sin and born evil and and born bad. I mean, like, how do you take a little two-year-old and break their spirit how dare you who who do you think you are I, I I get really angry when I think about that and I know um my detractors which include my mother and my sister um they say that how can I know what's still happening there I left 26 years ago. I left in 1993 yeah I left in 1993 and you guys have the only thing you've changed is that you no longer beat children in public until they bleed um, you know, that, 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 as far as I know, oh, and they now allow the internet. And I mean, Airlaw, who's the head of the place, well, 
he's the de facto head because he is, has dementia. And I don't know why they can't just be open and honest about that either. Mm. But he's still a director. He ha still has the power to, to sign um, away millions of rands. Um, and yeah, nobody's questioning that. Ah, anyway, um, but what I'm, but he, he would say, if your name is in Facebook, it's not in the book of life. In other words, you know, social media is evil and bad, but they are very happy to use social media to, to, you know, broadcast their message all around the world. And so while I'm on my little high horse here, can I carry on on my high horse? No, please go, man. <laughs> And so they have established a site called Kwasi Sabantu Lives, right, where they have all these testimonies. And you've pointed it out in your podcast that me thinks they protest too much because I was going to say protesteth too much. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, I, I don't do King James, <laughs> so I'm sure that's wrong. Right. Um, because why feel the need to say that nobody told me to confess my sins and I call bullshit on that you're still very nice and say well you know maybe you, but, but I'm telling you that they were told you know that's all we heard all the time is you have to confess your sins so why and the other thing that that people must go and check out the site kwasisabantulives.com I think it is or dot I don't even know what dot what, but anyway, but Kwasisabantu lives, right? You take away the V and it's Kwasisabantu lies um, and because that is what they do. Um, yeah, first they lie to you and then they lie about you. But go and check out that website for yourself, dear listener, and see whether you think it's believable that there are that many testimonies with not one tiny little glimmer of criticism towards Kwasi Sabanti. Now, is that normal? Like that, I mean, that is, to me, that is abnormal. You know, I could work for the best company on earth and I would probably say, yeah, I'm not so fond of the way they do X, Y, Z, but really, you know, they're hands above everybody else, you know, but to have all those hundreds and hundreds of testimonies and not a single person, um, say something slightly negative nah dude yeah who are you fooling actually no anyway, <laughs> <you>. <laughs> no no it's fine <laughs> um the other thing uh i we don't have a huge following in the facebook group yet but there's been some oh. action in the facebook group lately and and um i just wanna obviously there was just one person's voice um, who was trying to get her point across. But obviously you have a, a lot more people that come off you on your Twitter page, especially. Mm. So what I want to know is like, how do you, because I know that there's sometimes you can take and take and take and take, and then you hit that, that point where you're like, okay, I'm done now. So yeah. what do you, how do you, kind of get over that so like just ignore the naysayers or what do you do to deal with that sorry my words are terrible today yeah. no <laughs> your words are great <laughs> so you know um oh who who are oh, megan phelps roper she 
um, was part of the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, you know, that awful, awful um, church that boycotts the funerals of, not boycotts, but, 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 but have placards at the funerals of, of American um, people who died in the military uh, mm. um, and, and they are like, yay, we're glad you did. And, you know, like really, really awful things. Now, I read her, um, her memoir and how she got out was um, somebody on Twitter didn't attack her but actually just like said, hey, but does this make sense to you? Or, you know, and, 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 and that's how she started questioning the doctrine and how she got out. And after I read that book, which was only recently, um, like towards the end of last year, um, and I kind of stopped telling people they were idiots, kind of, you know, um, because I, her approach was just lovely. But it's hard to stay positive and sweet when you're when people talk about you and they say that you're lying and there's this there's these particularly these two women on twitter who talk to each other about me um i've i've blocked them both now because ugh, you know life's too short but the one actually said that um she witnessed me running after my the man that I say groomed and abused me, you know, and I was just like, yeah, Poppy, you need to actually like start to understand a, a few things about grooming and abuse and and victims, you know, of grooming and abuse and and are you really that dumb? But to actually, you know, in public say, yeah, no, don't worry, I saw with my own two eyes how she. Um, you know, ran after him. And I kind of want to say, well, firstly, you're hiding behind uh, a non-name. You know, that's not you. That's not your name. And, and, and validate it, like, like give examples. And that's what I did with that woman on, on the, on the decoding calls Facebook group is, is she talked about me, but she refused to engage directly with me. Like um, she um, said something really horrible the one day and I said to her show me some examples give me screenshots I want you to use my own words to show why you're saying that I'm a liar and then she deleted that um, that post so that, you, so that my comment also then disappeared um, and at some point you just go Ugh, fuck off actually you know uh, mm. because you can't reason with someone who isn't reasonable um, and I don't think my job is to try and convince the adults at Kwasi Sabantu that they are in a cult. My job is to try and safeguard the children. Yeah. Because so, they have no other advocate. Yeah. So that's something I wanted to touch on. So I, I know that, so your parents made the choice to come in. You didn't. Yeah. And then there are people who, as kids came in, or around the time you were there were born into it and have subsequently yep. be become adults and have children of their own. So, yep. like, what happens if, because um, th this is their whole world now, they don't know any different, right? And, and I, I have touched on this in, in my conversations with the, my expert, Luke Lambracht, and in some of the other cults I've covered. But mm. like these people that have like been born into it and now it's, we're literally sitting on a second and possibly a third generation by now. It's yeah. like the little kids, let's be honest. 
Well, the 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 mission is already um, more than five decades old. And if you think that they often marry off the girls at like 18, 20, then you're probably already looking at a fourth generation. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. So, okay. So let's say one of those young girls, now they're a fourth generation, their mom and their gran were born at the mission, lived at the mission, worked at the mission, churched at the mission, married at the mission, did whatever. So this, this to them is normal life. So one day this little girl's gonna, or little boy is gonna go, wait a minute, something feels iffy here. Um, where do where can they turn to the the KSB specific kids because there's very little help out there for cult specific stuff. Um, I I have touched on that before. So where where can if someone in KSB wants help? So now I'm, I'm hesitant to use this example, but I'm going to your sister tomorrow phones you and says, okay, Erica. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. I, I want to take my children's and I want out. Do they just, can they just phone you? Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they could. Um, the thing is though, is um, like, let's say I get an email from someone. I'm not going to know whether that is like Kwasi Sabantu trying to mess with me or um, get me to a place where they know that I'll be. Um, you know, um, so I let's say I say, okay, I will meet you at X, Y spot at this and this time. Um, is it a trap or mm. is it real? So I have to think about that. Um, but in terms of people wanting to get out, the really great thing is, is that there's this kind of an informal network of ex-members and I do believe that somebody will be able to phone or email somebody, you know, who can then who can then help to to get them out. Um, if it's someone who has who doesn't know anybody who has left, then I I don't know. I mean, like imagine you're a parent now because you know they don't use contraception. Um, they use the rhythm method, which is not that um, that successful always, you know. Um, and uh, imagine that you have now gotten married there and you have, say, four or five or six or seven children and you have nothing. You don't own anything. Can you imagine how scary it must be to think of how am I going to make a life outside of this place? Where am I going to get a job? Um where am I going to get a house, schooling? Like, I think you might just give up and just stay. You know, it's still easier if you get out before you have any dependence. Yeah. Like me, I was 21 years old. I didn't have any children. I think when you're responsible for a family, it must be an extremely hard decision. Uh, yeah. Unless you have family that you know are going to be able to help you. But yeah, in, the, I in the hope that one of my nieces listened to this. I know they've been taught that I'm absolutely evil, but I'm not. And I have a room for you. Um, yeah. Just call. Cool. Yeah. 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 I was actually, I was pondering that the other day, like 
the people that are older and at the mission, and I'm talking about people like, let's say they're in their 60s or, or, or close to retirement age. Um, I know, I know um, the one gentleman that got out quite later in life is, is, that, uh, is Gert de Vries. Mm. And um, he's obviously he had to um, make his own way much later in life. And, and I can imagine that was very hard for him. But I think if you are a, a, a parent or, or someone a bit late in life, I kind of I, I thought about maybe they just do stay because they have nowhere else to go. I mean, in the reports we read, read about how, yes, if you work for Aquile, you are paid minimum wage according to the BCA. But that does not include any provident fund. That does not include any medical aid. That does not include any of that. So even if you work there and you work for minimum wage, the chances of you being able to save for retirement or a rainy day, I mean, that's, that's pretty hectic. I mean, like minimum wage is very small, especially here. And, and yeah. also God will provide. Yes, until you leave the mission and then you're going to go to hell. Yeah. So people like my mother um, don't even have medical aid, you know. Um, but people like Alo and Lydia are flown by private plane to a private hospital in Pretoria. So, you know, not all animals are as equal as other animals there. Mm. You know, if I mean, I'm talking about George Orwell's Animal Farm, dear readers. I'm not calling them animals. Um, <laughs> or did, did I say dear readers? I'm sorry, dear listeners. <laughs> I'm leaving this in. That was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, like, wouldn't it be funny if they got to sue me because I called them animals? Um, <laughs> I, th I think... The people that listen to this po podcast got the reference. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they understand the animal farm <laughs> reference. Yes. So some people can't afford medical aid and others get flown by private plane to a private hospital in Pretoria. Yeah. And some people live in a dormitory with... 40 other people and other people live in a house with a swimming pool in the basement and an elevator. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. The, okay. The, the inequality is insane. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Well, can we touch more on this next week? Because yes, we're absolutely. running a bit over time. Um, oh, I would sure. just sure. like to thank you very much for giving me your gracious time and thank you in advance for the gracious time you're going to give to me next week. You're very welcome. And thank you. It's so lovely talking to you. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I haven't sworn too much, have I? Uh, it's okay. Uh, one or two. I'm a, I'm a potty mouser. It's fine. <laughs> Not a problem. Okay. 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 So much thank you, Erica. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Chatting to Erica was so great that I get to do it again next week. You can also follow her on Twitter at capital E, capital B, small e, small e, four zero.
I will add her handle in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and rate and review us. It will go a long way into improving the podcast and helping others find it. Please also share this podcast with your family and friends. You can find us on Facebook and you can email us at decodingcults at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If there are any topics around the workings of cults which you would like further explanation on, or if there is a cult that you would like to hear about, email me or post it in the Facebook group. Remember to go and check out By Design Crafts SA and Endeavor AV and tell them that we sent you. This week I want to say ontzettend bedank to my listeners in the Netherlands. The amazing logo art was created by the tattoo artist Jock Jacobs. Thank you so much for listening.